inspires worship, not companionship. Yes, he calls us friend, but don't forget he is God. I live to worship you. I live to worship you. Is this our life? Verse 4, this sickness, Jesus said, is not unto death for the glory of God that the Son of God might be glorified. He wasn't worried. He didn't panic. He knew what was going to happen. It's not unto death. The Lord does not receive glory from sickness, but he does receive glory from the healing of it. And the same goes for sin. The sick may be healed, but there is no remedy for death. We'll get to it in a moment. Listen, death convicts a man as being a sinner and conducts him to judgment because of sin. It is appointed man to die, wants to die, and after this judgment. So Jesus waited for sin to do the ultimate damage. The penalty of sin is death. The fall of man, because of the fall of man, death is now that penalty because of that sinful nature. And unless you are uh, born again, covered by the blood, then that sinful nature will, will have dominion over you and the fruit of that will be death. But we are born again, we are covered by the blood, and that penalty is broken. Yes, we may physically die, but in Christ our, our, we will not die. So Christ waited for the sin, the, the penalty, death. I'm not saying Lazarus was a sinner, but that's a, a, a result of it. For death to have its ultimate say, to do its ultimate damage uh, to the body of Lazarus. And then went, went to manifest his divine glory in raising him to life. Listen, the decay had already set in. Four days. There is a remedy for death, spiritually, his name is Jesus. But right now, until our bodies are glorified, there is a mortal body. And until we're glorified, then we will put on immortality. So we are raised from the death of sin to the life of God, and only Christ could bring about this by his own death and resurrection. So he is glorified in overcoming sin, sickness, and death. In the latter part of verse 4, he said, The sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, for the Son of Man might be glorified. Again, the Lord receives no glory from, from sin or any failure, but he does re greatly uh, receive or, or is greatly glorified out of victory over sin and failure. He came to give us life and give it more abundantly, and we talk about this victorious life all the time, and you are victorious in Christ, but you got to know why. you got to know how. It's by our faith anchored in the finished work of Christ, not because of what we can do. I'm going to tell you right now, Lazarus could not run himself out of that tomb. Wouldn't happen. Verse 6 said he heard that Lazarus was sick, and... And again, he was a friend. He abode two days still in the same place where he was. Again, we want, we want him to answer immediately right now. Come on, hurry up. In a little while, we're going to have an altar call. And sometimes we find ourselves in a hurry to get things done because the preacher preached a little bit too long and I got reservations at the whole trough. And they can't nobody get in front of me because they're going to run out of food because there's a chicken leg shortage. Because ain't nobody working because everybody's getting money from the government. i got to reopen. I ain't going to get nothing. Jesus, can you move fast? 
This is us. I, I don't know about you, but I'm sick of fake people. I'm sick of being phony and, and, and just, let's just be real. It's God's timing. It's not ours. And we learn here that everything is not immediate. You mean we got to wait? <laughs> yeah. That's why I don't wait. I don't like ketchup. I ain't waiting on it to come out of the bottle. Done. I'll just eat it with salt. Who needs ketchup? And I ain't tearing the packs. And now they give you packs you got to have a pair of pliers to get in. It is lit. They give you those, those plastic ketchup packs with a peel lid that says peel here that never peels there. So you got to go get some bolt cutters to get ketchup. By the time you get that, your food's cold. Again, it has nothing to do with any of this, but it's all right. If you're wondering, I'm just that's just part of me. I have a attention problem sometimes. But anyway, so then after that, he uh, saith he to his disciples, let us go into Judea again. Again, everything's not immediate. And Jesus was there two days, and then he said, let's go to Judea again. Not hurry, not let's run, not come on, let's, 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 let's go. Let's just, let's just go. Let's just make our way, let's go. His actions seem to be backward. He said that the sickness is not unto death, and then he waits two days. And then after that, he says to his disciples again, let us go to Judea again. Why did he wait two days? If you go back to verses 9 and 10, and I know we skipped that portion of Scripture, Jesus answered and he said, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbles not because he sees the light of, uh, he sees the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbles because there is no light in him. Everything Christ did was according to the instruction given to him by the Holy Spirit. Everything that you and I do must be according to the instruction and the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because if not, we're going to walk in our own way and we're going to stumble. He was totally led and instructed by the Spirit. And in fact, if he has to be, and he was, then should we not be as well? If Christ... The Son of God had to seek the face of God to such an extent in order to define the direct will of God. What makes us think that we don't? He said, let us go again. Or let us go into Judea again. Now, for some, they may not think nothing about it. Christ never just does something to just do something. He has a purpose, and it was to raise Lazarus from the dead. The, the disciples didn't comprehend this. We, we read it, that, that they thought he was asleep. Oh, he's good. Well, Jesus had to make it very blunt and plain. No, Lazarus is dead. He's dead, flatline. No breath, no nothing. He's dead. We're going. Again, it points back to John chapter 10 and verse 28 and 29. And he said, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. And I want to stop right here real quick. Because a lot of people will use this verse in saying that, that you cannot turn from God because the Bible says that in, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. That's true. But you can walk away. You can walk away. 
I'm not going to stay here because I'm not preaching about that, but I just want to hit that. Verse 29, my father which gave them to me is greater than all, the all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. And, and again, they use this same portion of scripture. But this is not what it's referring to. Once you are in me and I'm in you and, and you abide there and you stay in the house, whatever comes your way ain't going to pull you from me. Death, hell, the great, sickness is not going to pull you from me, but you can turn from me. So again, if one desires, they can remove themselves from their hand, but if you be in Christ, the enemy can try. He can try as hard as he like, but no man can pluck anyone from the hand of the Father. The good shepherd will snatch his sheep from the jaws of death, and even though he laid down his own life in doing so, that's what it took. So we have a hope, we have a reason to continue to worship, to praise, to live. So we have to rest assured that he holds us tightly. So you get to verse 11, These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go. But I go, that I may awake him out of the sleep again. They didn't, the disciples didn't quite understand what he was talking about, why he wouldn't, uh, would want to go back to Judea, because in Judea there was a lot of animosity there. Why would you want to put yourself back in this position? Because I got to. It's not about what I'm going to face. It's not about who I'm going to face. It's about why I'm doing what I'm doing. We want to do everything as long as it's easy, but when it becomes rough, we out. I say this, that old saying that you hear all the time is a lie. When the, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. No, when the going gets tough, people leave. <laughs> Ooh, I want to buy this. My background, commercial construction, we did everything. We, we pump mud, we shovel mud, we pump concrete, we pour concrete, we, we swept dirt and sawed us, we tore things down, tore things up, and built things back. We did all that stuff and everybody loved it. And then, then you would get into the really hard days where you'd have to grout all these columns in a, in a 700,000 square foot warehouse and the only way to get it was to carry it five gallon buckets at a time and everybody quit. We would go through, when we would do this process, it would sometimes take up to a week, and within a week we would go through probably 50 to 60 guys. They wanted a job, but they didn't want to, they wanted to quit. And in and, 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 and correlation to our relationship with the Lord, sometimes you're going to go through tough things. And it ain't always going to be easy. And when the tough get going, guess what? You stay in Christ. You don't have to do anything. You just stay in Christ. And know that the storm's going to pass by. Know that, that when he says peace be still, it will be still. You can get up and you can do all, all you want to do, but it don't make no difference until he says peace be still, then it will. So the disciples, again, they didn't quite understand because that animosity was there. Why would you want to go back? He used the word sleepeth instead of death. Why? Because sleep is temporary. 
It's only the body of the believer that sleeps. The soul is still alive. The spirit is still alive immediately in heaven. So to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But, it, but actually the spirit and the soul of Lazarus went to paradise because at this time Christ had not yet been crucified. He had not yet been crucified. He had not yet paid the penalty of sin. <coughs> he said, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. In other words, I'm going to raise him from the dead. Verse 12, then said to his disciples, if, or the disciples said, if he sleep, he shall do well. Again, they didn't really know what he was saying. This is the reason for spiritual dullness. It's the absence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Listen, the, the, the disciples were with Christ three and a half years, walking shoulder to shoulder, spending time with him, eating with him, breaking bread with him, sitting and watching him teach and watching the miracles happen and watching all of these things, but yet there was still a lack of knowledge and a lack of understanding of who he was. This is why Christ said in John 16 and verse 7, it is expedient. It is absolutely necessary for you that I go away. For if I not go away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. In other words, I know you're thinking, I'm with you. How much better could it get? I'm telling you, I'm going to make it even better because I'm going to make a way where I will be in you. I'm going to dwell in you. I'm going to lead you and guide you and teach you. So Jesus was only again with them while the Holy Spirit would be in them, giving them the power and capability of understanding the things of God. This is why Paul prayed in Ephesus in Ephesians 1 and 18, and I'll hit it again in a moment, but the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. Verse 13 of, of John 11 said, How be it Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken uh, of taking of rest and sleep. They were carnally, carnally interpreting the word of God. It happens all the time. How does this happen? Because it comes without guidance of the Holy Spirit. What happens when you rely on your, your intellect, your desire, your instruction, it will always be a carnal interpretation of what what it is because you you ask you ask all kinds of people they'll say this is what i think it means well this is what i think it means well this is what i think it means well what does the holy spirit say because without an understanding of the finished work of christ you can think what you want all the time but when you understand what has been accomplished then then things change Paul said in Ephesians 1, 17 and 18, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. And then he went on to say that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know. There, there's no excuse for us to not know. There's no excuse for us to doubt. We do. All of us. 14 and 15, in, in, in the text of John 11, Jesus said unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. He has the power to give life as well as the power to overcome death. In verse 15, said, And I am glad for your sake that I was not there to the intent that ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Now you will believe. I'm going to show you. 
I'm, I'm going to show you. Everything he does is to increase our faith. And then on the flip side of that coin, everything that the devil does is to destroy or alter or shift your faith. It ain't about us. We're not that good. <laughs> you know, Peter, Peter was going to go through the trial of his life, but Jesus prayed that his faith fell not. Not that he wouldn't face it. Not that it, not, we like to make it about us. And, and it does affect us physically and emotionally and all of those things. But it's ultimately about our faith. Because if I press down, this is the, the, the torture method. that We don't like to use that terminology anymore. But a POWs get, they, they want to break them to get them to, to talk. To get them to trust that, okay, if I tell you this, then you're not going to kill me. Or I'm not going to die. So they, they shift the focus. And this is how the enemy works. He presses, 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 presses. And you've cried out, Jesus, ten gazillion times. But on that, that ten gazillion and one time that he pressed, you said, okay. We, we sing the song, even uh, he's a way maker. Even when we don't see it, he's working. You never stop. You never stop working. I want to tell you something that you can say the same thing about the devil. He'll never stop. He'll never stop working to, to destroy your faith. He comes but for the steal, to kill, and destroy. That's why you shout your shoes off on a Sunday morning, and then by Sunday night, you ready to kill somebody. Because the devil don't stop working. He, 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 he don't care that you got blessed. He cares that you remain blessed, so he wants to take that away. There'll be some church folk that leave today. They go out to eat somewhere, and they're going to get tore up because somebody didn't mix their Arnold Palmer drink right. They gave him three-quarters lemonade and only a quarter tea. I told you it was half and half. How dare you? I ain't giving you a tip today. And then they're going to talk about it. They're going to go on, they're gonna go on social media and tell nobody to go to that restaurant because it's the most awful service in the world. It happens. The devil don't stop fighting. Verse 17, then when Jesus came, he found that, uh, that he had lain in the grave for four days already. I don't know, man. I mean, for me physically, I'm just like, I mean, you're done. I mean, when Wrangler, our goat, died, I walked out. I was like, darn. I just spent a lot of money on you. But I did like this, and he was stiff. I was like, bro, you're dead. I just gave up. I, I mean, I, I didn't lay hands on Wrangler and say, Lord, could you raise him from the dead? I didn't. Uh, I don't know that he would have, but I did pray for him because I was like, hey, he's dead. This is how our mind thinks. Dead, he's dead, he's gone. But Christ is always on time. And death don't necessarily mean the end. Because until he says it's over, then it's over. Lazarus, he was dead, y'all. Have you ever been to, a, I mean, we would have a heart attack. You ever been to a funeral home? That rascal get up out of the casket and it ain't over yet. You might be in the casket. We limit God. Well, that's the end. It, it is what it is. That's how it's meant to be. Until he says it's over, it ain't over. 
When he came, again, Jesus is never late. He's always on time. On the fourth day, decay had already set in. There was no doubt that Lazarus was dead. I don't know what it smelt like when they rolled the stone back. We don't think about these things. But it didn't matter what it smelt like. It didn't matter what people said. And it didn't matter that sin had already consumed and done everything that it could do. Or the penalty of sin had done everything that it could do. Death. Still not greater than the power of God. Verse 21, Martha said unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother would not have died. She was placing limitations on him again. You know, we, we, we like to, we like, especially when, whenever whoever, somebody else besides myself is up here and they preach a good message and they'll call somebody, you should have been at church today. That message was for you. No, it was for you. <laughs> I wish they'd have been here. They could have got, I wish I would have been, I wish you could have been here too because you was thinking about somebody else. Uh, listen, listen, listen to what he's got to say. She was placing limitations on Christ. Verse 22, But I know that even now whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it to thee. She didn't fully understand who Christ was, though yet she was his friend. She still didn't fully understand who he was. Verse 23, Jesus said unto her, The brother shall rise again. He didn't say maybe. He didn't say if I go and he don't stink. He didn't say if I go and everything's still intact or there's no decay set in. He didn't say anything. He said this, Thy brother shall rise again. I don't care what it looks like. He tells her plainly what's about to take place. But she still misunderstands. She said, 24, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. But verse 25, Jesus had to bring some clarity to the situation. He said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Not only will I call your brother out of the grave, but those who are dead in their sin and trespasses. My God, somebody. You might have been in the grave, stank, smelling, and everything else, wrapped up in all the grave clothes. But when you said yes to Jesus, we sing the song, and I ran out of that grave. He is salvation. He is life. He is the reason. He is the word. Do not limit God by our understanding, our, our infinite or finite, finite minds. Don't let that limit uh, what he can do. Verse 41, we go down, we, we go all the way down, and, and he, they, they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted his eyes, and he said, Father, I thank thee that what thou hast heard me. And, and, and then on the, the onlooker saw the body, it was exposed. Hear me clearly. Sometimes your death will be exposed for all to see, so that there is no doubt. It was Christ who brought you from death to life. It's not always easy. And we ask the question sometimes, why would it get this bad? Sometimes he may allow it to even come to the place of, all, of, of death, literally spiritually, for the stone to be rolled away, for all to see, 
just what kind of shape we're in. But then when we say yes to Jesus, when we respond to the drawing of the Holy Spirit, we may walk out of the grave, but yet be like Lazarus, still bound with the grave clothes. But at the moment Christ said, loose him, he was loose. So we, we, we want to say we're saved, we're, we're set free, and nothing's going on. Sometimes there's still a little bit of grave clothes attached, but guess what? He's here today to loose you from those things. See, he had a relationship with his father. He thanked them for hearing him. He thanked them for, for those that were around that would know that it was the father who sent him. Listen, the number one concern in our relationship with God should not be that the Lord answer our prayers. I know that's a shocking statement to some folks. But it should be this, that your will be done. Because his will may not be our actual prayer. might not be. I mean, because if he would answer prayer, I'd be a millionaire, a, a multi-millionaire. And I would have a monster truck. And we would have land with a, our own pond and trails everywhere and all of those good stuff. But then I began to pray his will. In 2007, he said, will you follow what I've called you to do? Oh, yeah, Lord. <laughs> I'm all in. Okay. Well, then his will was that he exposed the death in my life. <laughs> That's all. It's fun. Hallelujah. Oh, it ain't pretty. But that was his will because I wouldn't listen. Even though I said, yeah, I still wouldn't listen. That he exposed the death in my life so that I would run out, literally run out of the grave. So, so I, I began to pray his will, and his will led me to a place of not knowing what was going to come tomorrow. It led me to a place of wondering, what in the world am I doing it led us to the place of, of having church in our house around our table with Noah, Sawyer, and Sage. Gemma was there, but she was a little, little bitty baby. Preaching, teaching, loving one another. And began to continue to pray His will. And then we tried to force His will a different direction, toward the, down toward south, down toward Louisiana. But He said, no, 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 I got a place for you. But all of it came through exposure. All of it came through working in and through our lives and taking things from us that we thought we had to have and showing us that He is all we need. So faith that does, listen to this carefully, faith that does nothing but claim answers with no regard to God's will is not proper faith. That's actually called selfishness. We just want to claim his answers. That's, that's name it, claim it. That's, or blab it, grab it, whatever you call it. I don't know what you call it. That's not faith. That's selfish. We try to bargain and make deals with the Lord. Lord, if you'll deliver him from this, I will. If you'll give me this job, I will. If you'll open the door for me to go here, I will. 
No, he says, if you will surrender to me, then I will do whatever it is. And I promise you it will be better than anything you could imagine. Verse 43 says, And when, the, when thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. He spoke loud again for those to see that death was under the command of his voice. He had to be specific. We know this because if he not spoken just to Lazarus, then all the, <coughs> all the sainted dead would have come forth. <laughs> that would have been a sight. Verse 44 says, Jesus said unto them, Loose him and let him go. So the burial shroud was taken off of his body. I want to tell you this morning, and I want to read for you something that the Lord laid on my heart this morning. And it's, uh, I've got to get to it. Hold on a moment. I should know how to do this by now, but I don't. This is where we've come as a society. And I, I put this this morning. While you're scrolling and reading many half-truths and only highlights, I'm going to keep it real. We all have issues. We all have our good days and bad ones. We all know how to cover them up and pretend it's going to be okay. And even, if you, even when you think it's not, we live in a world that's learned to cover up everything. But I've got news. Christ knows our heart. He sees your tears. He hears your cry. He feels your hurt. He watches your frustrations and desires to take them all from you. Stop deceiving yourself and come to the realization that you and me can do absolutely nothing without him. How do I know this? Because John 15 and 5 tells me so. I also know this because I've tried to live without him and I've tried to have joy without him. I've tried to pretend without him and I failed every single time. There is one way, one hope, one message, one life, one light. His name is Jesus. And to him and him alone, I surrender. Will you? You don't have to live miserable. He's calling your name. But if you stay in the grave, that's your choice. But he's calling your name. I want to sing as musicians come this morning. I know it's a lot to take in. Who preaches an entire chapter of the Bible? I do. But I believe without a doubt that there's some people here today or people that are watching or will watch that have given up, that have asked why, or may think when. When will you come to deliver me? When will you break this bondage in my life? When will you allow me to walk in freedom and victory? But he's asking, when will you respond? When will you walk in the way that I have made? When will you surrender your life to me? When will I become more important than anything else? When will you trust me more than you trust your bank account? When will you lean on me more than you've leaned on the government? When will you know that I am the supplier of your need? In fact, I have supplied all your need. 
When will you seek me first and my kingdom and know that all these things that I have promised shall be added unto you? When will you actually surrender to me as a child of mine rather than just a beneficiary of what I have? He's asking the same thing of us. When will the church actually be the church instead of just a bunch of people who come together to pimp and promote and, and propagate their agenda and act like they got it all together when actually we're just a whole entire body of screw-ups who've learned to mask and hide everything. Mary and Martha could have pretended that Lazarus wasn't dead and they could have acted like it was a weekend at Bernie's with them. They could have had them all around the place. But they knew he was dead and they didn't hide it. We need the deliverer. I need you to go get Jesus because my brother is dead. See, today at church, when somebody dies or walks away, we just forget about them. They're dead. They're gone. It's over. It was said to me, young in, in ministry, and my brother just recently came to this place a couple years ago, and I suppose I will come to this place at some point in time. I will have pastored as many people as I currently pastor. Because people would discard you. It's been done to us. But guess what? Tomorrow I'm going to get up and I'm going to give every ounce that I got. Pour back into your life. It's not because that's what we do, but that's because who we are. That's because what God has called us to do. But I want to tell you something. I will not sit back and allow you to sit in the grave and not call out on your behalf. So today, wherever you find yourself, if you're watching and you don't know Christ, He's calling your name. Whatever your name might be, He's calling it. And you might find yourself, well, well, brother, I'm saved. Praise God for that. But you might still have some grave clothes on. You don't have to live that way. You don't have to remain that way. You don't have to stay attached to death. Because Christ said again in John 10 and 10, First the thief come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give you life and give it more abundantly. And I want to ask you today, did you walk through those back doors knowing that I am walking and living that abundant life? If truth be told, most of us came in carrying issues, problems, or worries of yesterday and even tomorrow. And we came sometimes. We, I remember finding myself coming to church and thanking God. Let them call me personally because I was so miserable that I couldn't run out from, from the grave and run to the altar. I wanted them to call my name physically because I was so stubborn. But I promise you today, He's calling your name. I want you to stand in this place. If you're watching and you've got a need, let us know. We'll gladly pray. But He's calling you. He's calling you. And you may have all but given up, but I can promise you, He is always on time. I don't know what they're going to sing, but I promise you, if you'll walk out of the grave, 
you will live. You will live today. Go ahead and see. Counts of stars, one and all. You know so much sand is on the shore. He sees every sparrow that falls. The mountains and the sea is in control of everything. All creatures Last week I was cleaning out some stuff in my office and I found the first 70 pages that of, of a book that my mom began to write. For 26 years my mom prayed for her dad to get saved. 26 years she prayed for her dad to be delivered from alcohol. And 26 years later he said yes to Jesus. 
And, and before he passed away and my mother passed away, her most prized possession was a picture of her baptizing her dad. He's always on time. Even if it's 26 years later, he's never too late. And I want to promise you today, it's not over. It's not over. Don't stop. Don't stop interceding. Don't stop believing. I promise you, he's on time. And if you'll just respond, just keep believing. Maybe, you're, maybe everything's perfect in your life, but I want to tell you, there's some folks around that it's not. I'm one of them. I believe Him with all that's within me. And I believe that He'll continue to pour out. And I believe He'll continue to save. I believe He's going to deliver my brother. I believe He's going to deliver my cousin's husband from alcohol. I believe that He was He died, Christ died for Mike McKinney too. I want them to sing and I, I don't know what you I don't know I don't even sometimes know what to say I just know I'm sick and tired of pe seeing people bound and when will the church intercede when will we pray when will we be the hands and feet of Christ when will we go to the Lord even on their behalf because they might not believe but will we believe for them play again if you'll just pray if it's here there wherever just pray just seek Him today.
I don't want to be the disciples in the boat. I want to be like Christ and just lay down and rest. Because he is able and he's always on time. I encourage you tonight. I know that some people, whatever. But it's difficult to get to know people on a Sunday morning. And some of you might not want to know people. And that's your business. <laughs> Don't come and spill your beans. Just uh, It's just a time of literally food and fellowship, encouraging one another in the Lord. And uh, I encourage you to come out. It's a great time. If you don't like a low country boil, just bring something of your own to eat. Whatever you want to eat. And if you don't want anybody else to eat it, keep it in your lunchbox and then eat it yourself. That's fine. But come tonight, uh, you can come a little before 6 if you want to, but it's a, a relaxed time, you know, if you want to come in a suit, that's your business, but I'm going to be in shorts and a t-shirt, so uh, just go ahead and forewarn you, and, uh, but we love you guys, and uh, if you haven't signed up, you need to before you leave, because we're literally planning for how many is signed up, uh, but anyway, we hope we see you tonight. Those of you who view online, I encourage you to tune into our Yatkinville campus uh, because we're not going to live stream us eating. I don't really think that you're interested in that. Uh, and, and so, uh, but we will be back next week. We love you guys. Be blessed, and we will see you soon.